0: November 1st, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 19. And so, dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are bound for heaven, think about this Jesus whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. For he was faithful to God who appointed him, just as Moses served faithfully and was entrusted with God's entire house. But Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses. Just as a person who builds a fine house deserves more praise than the house itself, for every house has a builder, but God is the one who made everything. Moses was certainly faithful in God's house, but only as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths God would reveal later. But Christ, the faithful son, was in charge of the entire household, and we are God's household if we keep up our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. That is why the Holy Spirit says, Today you must listen to His voice. Don't harden your hearts against Him, as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested God's patience in the wilderness. There your ancestors tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for forty years. So I was angry with them, and I said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So, in my anger, I made a vow, they will never enter my place of rest. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day, as long as it is called today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. But never forget the warning. Today you must listen to His voice. Don't harden your hearts against Him, as Israel did when they rebelled. And who were those people who rebelled against God even though they heard his voice? Weren't they the ones Moses led out of Egypt and who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom was God speaking when he vowed that they would never enter his place of rest? He was speaking to those who disobeyed him. So we see that they were not allowed to enter his rest because of their unbelief. This week's Bible Meditation, 1 Timothy 2.7 And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, and a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles.
1: Theology is critically important because it's how we know God. It's, it's the language for talking about what God is like. What, what his heart is like, what his what his thoughts are, what his what his ways are in the world, and we wouldn't know that about God except that God reveal it to us, and He's done it in two books. He's done it in the book of nature. So Paul says in Romans chapter one, what may be known of God is is clearly visible; it's seen in the, in the creation. But there's a problem with that in Romans one. We we suppress that knowledge as sinners, and and uh, we would not know God or worship God accurately. We would make images of birds and creeping things and call them God, though they're not God, if we were simply left to our fallen apprehension of the book of nature. And so God has spoken to us and revealed himself to us in his special book, in the book of Revelation, in the Bible, in the 66 books of the Bible. And that's where, where God is speaking to us specifically and directly about who he is, how he acts in the world, what he requires of us, um, what he's like. And to, in any way, um, think about the Bible and make statements about God and about Jesus from the Bible, Uh, we're doing theology. So even the person who says, why do I need theology? Can't Jesus be enough? Is, in fact, making theological statements uh, about both the Bible and theology. He's kind of saying it's secondary or unnecessary. Whereas, I think classically, history, Christians have believed it, it is necessary and sufficient uh, and authoritative and infallible. Those are all theological claims. And that person who says, can't Jesus be enough? I, I guess my next question would be, well, who is Jesus? And the moment you begin to answer that question, you're, you're doing theology. We can't live without theology. Uh, we can't talk about God without theology. for theology is talk about God. And the question is whether or not our theology is good or not, and whether or not our theology is accurate or not, whether or not we believe true things about God or errant things about God. And we want to get this right, because this is the God of the universe. John 17, 3 says, this is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life requires theology requires that we know the one true God and that we know Jesus Christ and that God sent him and that he is God's son and that he was perfect in his obedience to God in order to supply our righteousness. and He's our substitute, he dies on the cross in order to atone for our sins and he really did die and he was buried for three days and he really was resurrected bodily for our justification and he really did ascend into heaven where he sits at the right hand of the Father in his session, interceding for us. And he's coming again to gather his bride and to consummate all things and to renew all things. That's why you need theology, is to see this Jesus and to love this Jesus and to adore him for who he really is and to worship him for who he really is and not merely as we imagine him to be. All of our imaginations will come short of the glory of God. So God has given us his word that we might do theology, that we might in some way taste and see his glory.
0: Psalm 104, verses 1 through 23. Praise the Lord, I tell myself. O Lord my God, how great you are. You are robed with honor and with majesty. You're dressed in a robe of light. You stretch out the starry curtain of the heavens. You lay out the rafters of your home in the rain clouds. You make the clouds your chariots. You ride upon the wings of the wind. The winds are your messengers. Flames of fire are your servants. You placed the world on its foundation so it would never be moved. You clothed the earth with floods of water, water that covered even the mountains. At the sound of your rebuke, the water fled. At the sound of your thunder, it fled away. Mountains rose, and valleys sank to the levels you decreed. Then you set a firm boundary for the seas, so they would never again cover the earth. You make the springs pour water into ravines, so streams gush down from the mountains. They provide water for all the animals, and the wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds nest beside the streams and sing among the branches of the trees. You send rain on the mountains from your heavenly home, and you fill the earth with the fruit of your labor. You cause grass to grow for the cattle. You cause plants to grow for people to use. You allow them to produce food from the earth, wine to make them glad, olive oil as lotion for their skin, and bread to give them strength. The trees of the Lord are well cared for, the cedars of Lebanon that He planted. There the birds make their nests, and the storks make their homes in the firs. High in the mountains are pastures for the wild goats, and the rocks form a refuge for rock badgers. You made the moon to mark the seasons, and the sun that knows when to set. You send the darkness, and it becomes night, when all the forest animals prowl about. Then the young lions roar for their food, but they are dependent on God. At dawn, they slink back into their dens to rest. Then people go off to their work. They labor until the evening shadows fall again. Proverbs 26 Verses 24-26 through 26. People with hate in their hearts may sound pleasant enough, but don't believe them. Though they pretend to be kind, their hearts are full of all kinds of evil. While their hatred may be concealed by trickery, it will finally come to light for all to see.